o'clock. Thanks for joining us, Jim and Cake, today from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. Jim Harbaugh coming to the AFC West to coach the Chargers. We're going to dive into that in just a moment. Do a little around the NFL since we didn't get the chance to do that. Uh, we had our segment uh, with Bruce Shepard talking about uh, Bob Gates. Uh, by the way, we did not do Teams Team of the Week this week. We will do that next Thursday. We had some... some Logistical. Compli- yeah, some complications that, that prevented that from happening, but it will happen uh, next Thursday on the program at 840. We have Teams Team of the Week. All right, we're still looking for a winner. Do we have a winner now? We have a winner. Okay, we have a winner today for who is it? And now, ladies and gentlemen, the winner of the contest. It's another winner on the Team Sports Network. Wayland correctly answering Stephen Guskowski. Adam Vinatieri was a good guess. Right position, wrong guy. And Pyle, I'm a little disappointed. It took this long because this, that particular AFC uh, championship game where he missed the extra point, forcing the Patriots to go for two at the end and got picked off. You know what uh, AFC title game that was? Is that the one for Super Bowl 50? That was the one for Super Bowl 50. The no-fly zone. One of arguably the greatest Broncos games I've ever seen in my lifetime. It, I mean, you know, I'm obviously a lot younger than a lot of my Broncos fan contemporaries who would probably say, you know, Super Bowl 32, 33, and those are great, except I was two. Well, yeah, you, you so, don't, you can't. So as far as, to those, as, yeah, far as recent memory is concerned, that 2015-16 AFC championship game, the last duel between Manning and Brady, and it turned out to be... And Vaughn picked off Brady in that game. Vaughn picked off Brady in that game. You had the just relentless pass rush crushing Brady with, like, DeMarcus Ware, and then it came down to the end because Rob Gronkowski got away with pushing off a defender in the end zone, but whatever, it's fine. (laughs) put it within two points and so in order to tie it Brady had to throw for a uh, two point conversion and I believe it was was it Bradley Roby that got the got the pick at the end or was it trying to remember who might have been Bradley Roby that sounds right but either way that was, a game, that was a game that Owen Daniels had a big game. It was. He had like two touchdowns got, in that game. Yep. Got two touchdown pass in that game, a 21-yarder and a 12-yarder. Yeah. That was... That's where they hit Brady 20 times in that game. As Blue Steel just got after him. Yeah, I I, I, know, I understand for you. that And that's Super Bowl, obviously, or that, that season memorable. And that's Super Bowl Very. memorable. But... I'm I'm gonna go old man here, thirty two, yeah. Where they were, they were an underdog in that game. Going against, against Brent Favre, yeah, Brent Favre, Favre. And TD gets the migraine in that game. They use him as a decoy. The, the helicopter run by by Elway and just just how emotional that was. Well, I mean, I was obviously thrilled as, as a fan and when they won Super Bowl 50 and Super Bowl 33, but 32 
was such a release for for Broncos fans at that time. Huge. That had suffered through blowing a 10-0 lead to the Redskins and watched Timmy Smith just, you know, run rough shot over the Broncos when when Washington beat Denver. Uh, I mean, going back to the first game where, uh, first Super Bowl uh, in New Orleans, where the Cowboys and Randy White and Harvey Martin just smacked Craig Morton around. And but you but then you're yeah, I was uh, let's see, I was in seventh grade. Yes, I was in seventh grade when when that game happened. You're just thrilled to get there, right? You're just thrilled to get to the Super Bowl, just just to be a part of it. And while you were disappointed that they lost and, and got beat badly, Butch Johnson, by the way, did not hold on to the football. It was not a touchdown. But anyway, uh, I digress. That you were you were at least you were thrilled that they got there. And then during the Elway era, the Dan Reeves era, you know, they, they, Sims has a phenomenal game. And then they lose to the, the Niners game, though. When they lost 55-10. I've said this before. As a Broncos fan, you just knew they were going to lose. That they were not going to stop Joe Montana, Roger Craig, Jerry Rice, Taylor. That they were not going to stop that group. Yeah. It was just not going to happen. And you just hope that they didn't get blown out, which unfortunately, that is exactly what happened. Yeah. Yeah. And, but then, it's fine. For, and then 48. I mean, 48 was one. You, it was a different. One. You felt good about that. You know, like the, the Legion of Boom, that was a great defense. Had Russell Wilson. Yep. But you felt like with the way Manning was playing, that, that Denver was going to have a chance to win that game. And obviously, that did not go well for Denver. But, uh, yeah, it was a AFC championship game leading up to Super Bowl 50. It was a nail-biter. But uh, thank you, Stephen Gotzkowski, for, uh, for missing that. Appreciate Early that. extra point. Appreciate that. All right. Uh, let's see. Paul was the one giving me grief about my lack of direction, which he, he cuts me some slack on that a little bit, by the way. He says living in Grand Junction doesn't help. Um he also he had some comments from what Jerry had to say. And Paul's an ardent critic of the Rockies. I get that, understand that. For Jerry's standpoint, I understand. And, and Paul does speak to that with Jerry, that um, you are, when you cover a team, it's it's tough to bring up the negative stuff. And I think Jerry, Jerry tends to be a very positive guy. And so Jerry wants to focus on the the positive things, on the things that they that they do have in their control that are are pluses for this organization right. in terms of talent. And so I understand that. And but I know for for us that that don't cover the Rockies like Jerry does, it is much easier for us to go. Yeah, I they haven't they haven't done a damn thing, and they weren't going to. It is what. You, they did exactly what you expected them to do. Nothing in terms of the hot stove league. While others make in- incredible, gaudy moves. Like signing Shohei Otani <laughs> to a very Bobby Bonilla-esque contract. That this is what you expect. And this is where there has to be at least the hope in your soul as a Rockies fan that that the young talent that we talked about, the Tovars, the Doyles, the Joneses, those guys, that those guys pan out. 
and the young guys in the minor league level that we're going to see in spring training, like Jerry said, pan out. But, Paul, I, I, I look, I understand your frustration. I do. It's frustrating. It's frustrating to watch Dick Monfort and, and the Rockies and Bill Schmidt spend $182 million on Chris Bryant. And what have we gotten in exchange for him? And it's and I and I feel bad for Chris Bryant because only Chris Bryant's a bad guy. But they spent this money on him, and he's yet to play over what sixty games for the Rockies in a season. Not even half a full yeah. season. And, and and so the frustration is there that once again it's another case of it's it's money poorly spent by the Rockies, poorly invested by the Rockies, yeah. and that's frustrating. That's a frustrating thing, and I and I. I 100 lost season, that's never happened until last season for the Rockies. That adds to the frustration as well. And you sit there and go, what? and like we say, I, I like Bill Schmidt. He seems like a nice guy. I don't know him personally. We've never interviewed him. Uh, seems like a good guy. But the thing they had with Dan O'Dowd, when, and you can criticize O'Dowd all you want, but when O'Dowd came over from Cleveland, he was part, with John Hartnett group, of building really good teams in Cleveland. And he was the one that put this roster together that got them to the 07 World Series. Yep. And so there's something to be said for somebody coming in from a successful organization where they know how to do it right. And that's the thing that plagues the Rockies right now. The the inability by Dick Monfort. I don't care if Dick Monfort still owns the Rockies. Just get the hell out of the way, Dick. Yeah. Get out of the way. Let baseball people run your operation, you know, build as many party decks as you want. If that's your thing, that's your thing. Stop hiring guys that are yes men. Stop hiring people that, well, they're loyal to me and I want to be loyal to them. And I, and I feel bad when I say that because I feel like I'm cracking on loyalty. But there comes a point where you might like somebody and you're loyal to them, but if they're not getting the job done, then you have to be able to move on, separate yourself. Like Gwyneth Paltrow and Chris Martin. You have to emotionally uncouple from back in the day. Sorry, I, I just, I, I don't disagree. I just, I, that's I, not where I thought I you were going. I purely use that just to get a reaction out of you. Nobody else. Just to see what you'd say. I, I you have didn't to, you, think that was. You can, you can, you can like that person. You can feel that they, they, you know, that they've been loyal to you. But if they're not getting the job done. Right. Then you have to go. Sorry, I can't. I can't continue to invest my emotions in you. That you're loyal and, but but you're doing a, a crappy job. You're not good at what what we what we pay you to do. You have to walk away from that. Dick Monfort refuses to do that. His team president's a guy. It's a lackey. He's a guy that worked on the business side of things. It's no Kelly McGregor. That was willing to make tough baseball decisions and tell Dick Monfort, hey, we shouldn't be doing that. That's a bad idea. This is what we should be doing. They miss that kind of leadership. And you can dislike Dan O'Dowd all you want, but at least, man, he was willing to make moves. He was willing. He was dealing Dan. He was willing and capable of building, doing the moves to, to try to build a competitive roster. And he didn't waste money all the time. That's $182 million. Jeff Breidich, the Ian Desmond deal, $75 million for a guy that, that never came anywhere close to what 
they were hoping he would be. The Daniel Murphy stuff. I mean, we've like so we've gone over this you know, ad nauseum. Right. I don't care if Dick Montford continues to own the Rockies. I don't care. I'm fine with that. If there's if. Here's, here's the if and the but. Big if. You need to separate yourself from the day-to-day operations of of building the roster of 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 identifying talent at the minor league level of high, of high. You need to bring in somebody that knows baseball. You're not Jerry Jones, and and bring somebody in that's not just one of your guys. That's one of you, one of your long long-term loyal employees one of your lackeys like bill schmidt do what you did with what they did with o'dowd jerry mcmorris not jerry mcmorris oh let's see um camera from the twins bob gebhardt sorry mcmorris owner bob gebhardt who helped to build the twins teams at one world series bring guys in that know how to build a winning roster it's frustrating. And I just, you know, yeah, I agree, Paul. They, they paid a lot of money to trade Nolan Arenado. They paid to do that. Oh, it's frustrating. All right. Uh, we didn't like, so we didn't get to it uh, last hour because of uh, having Bruce Shepard in to talk about Bob Cates. So uh, we'll hit it right now. It's around the NFL. The latest on the Broncos and the league. It's around the NFL on the Jim Davis Show. All right. So, Jim Harbaugh coming to the AFC West. So, uh, Jim Harbaugh, five-year deal, according to uh, Adam Schefter at ESPN, to take over the Chargers. So, in his four seasons in San Francisco, Harbaugh went 44-19-1. We talked about that. Took them to a Super Bowl, three AFC, three NFC Championship games as well. The last year he went eight and eight. They didn't make the playoffs. He got fired. And a lot of that was because he didn't get along with manager Trent Baalke at all, the general manager nope. at that time. And that created friction with the front office as well. And one of the guys that was there during that period of time was Joe Staley. Pro Bowl left tackle for the, the Niners back then. And Staley said, you know, I I was a huge Harbaugh fan. I'm still a huge Harbaugh fan, and I wanted him to be there. So he got into this huge argument on the sidelines. I'm cussing him out. He's cussing me out. And he basically was like, fight for your job, man. Like, we need you to feel like you're a part of this. We have a new stadium, an amazing team. I came from four different coaches. I knew the situation, how bad it could be. I didn't want to start that over again at that point in my career. And so... That's exactly what happened after that. I mean, they they went through Jim Tomasula, Chip Kelly. Then they finally hired Kyle Shanahan part of the 2017 season. That's worked out well for them. And that's worked out pretty good with Kyle Shanahan being there. Now, now can Jim Harbaugh get along with the Spanos family? That's going to be the key. Can he have his... The, the, the way he deals with things is not always a uh, demeanor that, that rubs people the right way. Right. And will this organization, which, which has, despite all the talent that we've talked about, has had kind of a, a loser mentality history to it. Yeah. And this is, I know, 
I'm prepared for the cracks about, well, what about the Broncos the last <laughs> the last several years? But the Chargers have had, had it even more. I mean, Denver's won, Denver's won three Super Bowls. At least they have championships in their history. Chargers do not have a Super Bowl win on their resume. They went to one Super Bowl, and they were kind of distracted because the team they were going up against was the 49ers. Steve Young. Jerry Rice. You know, I think, I think that was... Is that the year Prime was there in San Fran? Or? I don't remember if that was the case or not. Either way. Neither well, so that's there. when they had Bobby Ross. Bobby Ross Bobby took Ross. the... And, um, oh gosh, uh, Stan Humphreys <laughs> was the quarterback. What a name. And what I believe, a name. And I believe that was a Super Bowl that uh, Bill Musgrave got into. You know, he's with the Niners. I believe that was that game. Anyway, so Harbaugh comes to the AFC West to join Sean Payton. Perhaps Andy Reid, depending on what Andy Reid may or may not do. When right. The season comes to an end. And now Antonio Pierce with the Las Vegas Raiders. All right, so you have the move of involving a former Broncos coach, Vic Fangio, who uh, has apparently mutually agreed to part ways, emotionally uncouple himself from the Dolphins, and coach Mike McDaniel. Mike McDaniel saying, I want to thank Vic for his contributions in 2023. When we assessed the season, it became apparent that this was the best path forward for all parties involved. Mike McDaniel is kind of a hell on defensive coordinators because Mike McDaniel, this is what the third different coordinator he will have in Miami. Sounds right. And so... It looks like that Vic Fangio, Ice Pick Vic, is heading to Philadelphia to that's, be uh, Nick Seriani's DC. That's a good move. That's probably a good move. It's a lot better move than Matt Patricia. And Dolphins finished 22nd in total points allowed, 22nd in points per game, and 28th in total touchdowns. So the feeling was that the defense, after they lost to Kansas City and the uh, deep freeze game uh, at Arrowhead that the defense just was not up to snuff. And so now Mike McDaniel turns to somebody else to be his uh, new defensive coordinator. Real quick, because uh, we were talking about Harbaugh, it, like, you had the question here in the rundown, and I don't know if we uh, fully got to it, but the question is, what does Harbaugh coming to the AFC West mean to the Broncos? Vic Fangio was Harbaugh's defensive coordinator when he first got to San Francisco in 2011. And if you take a look at the stats, what is sort of the idea is what does Harbaugh bring to the Chargers? If it's anything like he did in San Francisco, Charger, or uh, not Charger, 49ers in his first year were 11th in points offensively points for averaging about just under 24 points per game second in the NFL in points against allowing 14.3 next year same thing 11th in offense second in defense 2013 11th in offense third in defense Vic Fangio still that defensive coordinator and then 2014 obviously things kind of 
tempered off. Uh, it was 25th in offense and 10th in defense. But in that three-year span, before it fell off, multiple All-Pros, multiple, obviously, conference ch- championship game appearances, and borderline top 10, not quite top 10 offenses, and top three defenses. For the Chargers, Joe Staley this year was much maligned saying, I'm going to call defensive plays. Brandon Staley. I'm sorry, Brandon Staley. I mentioned Joe Staley so I could see why that would get you screwed up. Brandon Staley, uh, again, he, he got into it this year talking about I'm calling defensive plays and, you know, got a little got a little snippy with the media about that. And Harbaugh, because it seems to me, even though he played quarterback in the NFL, would have the kind of quarterback's ear with Justin Herbert. He takes the offense and then you have the talent to defense. See what Khalil Mack's situation plays out to be. But you've got Bosa. You've got a really talented defense. If Harbaugh can bring in the right coordinator, a Vic Fangio type, or here's a name I'll throw out there, Jiro Vero, who was an assistant under Harbaugh at that time, bring in somebody like that that can take this defensive unit and bring it to the levels that they can know they can play, that's going to be really, really tough for the rest of the AFC West, and particularly Denver. Harbaugh obviously was able to build a winning culture in San Francisco. With the exception of his final year there, it was it was championship-level football every single year. Same thing in Michigan. And, 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 and did that, you know, early on the, the Michigan, the first couple of years, uh, certainly underwhelmed Wolverine fans. But you look at, you know, the last, this past season, most notably, or they end up winning the championship, that he had them the last three or four years in the conversation mm-hmm. to win a national championship. And with, with the, the emphasis on the run game, and defense, things that's right now, and you know what happens with, with Austin Eckler, and he may want to go a different direction than Eckler, that those pieces are there, particularly on the defensive side. And I think that certainly for the AFC West, all of a sudden the, the Chargers maybe go from being schizophrenic and being a hard team to figure out why are they not better than what they are? Because maybe they just need the right guy to lead, and maybe Harbaugh is that guy. Mm-hmm that Harbaugh can build that kind of continuity within the Chargers, which will not be an easy thing to do. All of a sudden, the Chargers are are not the, yeah, they got a lot of talent, but man, they suck as a football team. They, they can't, you know, they, they make mistakes at cru- crucial moments. They've got poor head coaching. And now we have a guy that, that knows how to win in the NFL mm-hmm. and knows, and, and obviously has won a national championship in college football. Whether you like Harbaugh or not, whether you think he's big, dumb khaki pants like our colleague does, <laughs> guy does know how to win. And he's done it in the NFL. He's taken a team to a Super Bowl. He's not like a Chip Kelly that had a flash in the pan, you know, season or two of pretty good football. Right. 
he's taken a team to a Super Bowl and probably, like you said, if the lights still go out in New Orleans, maybe that's a different outcome against his brother, John. Maybe it's a different situation. So back to Vic Fangio for a moment, that why people think he'll end up in Philadelphia as the D.C., he lives around there. His child should say he grew up his childhood home, Dunmore, Pennsylvania. And uh, he still, his mother still lives there, by the way. Uh, he was a consultant after he you know, got canned by the Broncos, consulted the Eagles for the 2022 season. That's right. Before going to the Dolphins. It's his childhood favorite team. Not that that makes sure that that guarantees where you're going to go in terms of of employment, but it, it all all things indicate or point to him taking over the defense for uh, Nick Sirianni yeah. and uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. All right, uh, Broncos making a move here. We'll just... It's nothing big. They uh, signed nose tackle Rashard Lewis to a futures contract, former fourth-round pick that played for the Cardinals for three seasons before spending time with uh, Miami, Arizona, and uh, Houston practice squads. So now he'll join the Broncos to give them some depth, possibly, on the defensive line. So there, okay. you, there you go. All right, 925. Jim along with Cake today. Dexter Collis on the team line, 970-242-1340. Coming up, some four-down territory and this day in sports history. That's up next on the Team Sports Network. It's the Western Slope's home of Colorado sports. This is the Jim Davis Show. Welcome back, 929. Jim along with Cake today from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, most trusted name in automobiles. Apparently, uh, Sharon Moore is the, the guy that Jim Harbaugh wants to replace him in Michigan. Remember, he was the guy that uh, acted like Jim Harbaugh <laughs> had died tragically rescuing a soccer team in a cave somewhere right. or uh, was flying in uh, supplies to, uh, to victims of an earthquake. No, no, he was just coaching just suspended that's famous sharon moore apparently is is the guy that's probably going to replace harbaugh in michigan there's a there's a tweet that's uh i'll I'll see if i can show it to you here it's the uh the scene from the end of shawshank when uh andy escapes and andy dufresne then they you know go to his cell and they rip the poster down and they see the wall (laughs) and the caption reads NCAA looking for Jim Harbaugh to spend him for next season. <laughs> That's pretty good. And it's the Warren looking down the cave like, where'd he go? Where is he? Uh, That's Not pretty good. Watching to find Jim him. Harbaugh getting out while the getting's good. Exactly. All right. So um, get some reaction to um, the avalanche with uh, Nathan McKinnon, the four goal night last night. Certainly. It will be end up being one of the greatest abs of all time. Maybe the greatest ab of all time. But then you have Kale McCarr, who just surpassed... Um, oh, gosh, I just fan on his name right now. Oh, um, Tyson Berry? Tyson Berry, thank you. Thank you. Directions and Tyson Berry's name, two things that, that, that mystify me today. Uh, but, yeah, past Tyson Berry for the most uh, points scored 
in um, an avalanche history for a defenseman. And you could say Kale McCarr could be that guy too, very easily. So if you got some thoughts on that today, Jim Harbaugh coming to the AFC West, coaching the Chargers, text us, call us on the team line, 970-242-1340. All right, it's uh, time to jump into Four Down Territory. We're into Four Down Territory on the Jim Davis Show on the team. All right, start things out with first down. And I, I find this very amusing. Oh? That... Uh, ESPN's Mike Breen, who's uh, called a lot of games with Mark Jackson. Bang! 15 seasons. And then uh, Jeff Gundy for 17 seasons. Ended up working with Doc Rivers for 15 weeks. (laughs) (laughs) And Mike Breen and Doris Burke paying tribute to Doc Rivers, who left to coach the Bucks. With Breen quipping, we thank him for all of his many weeks of service. <laughs> That's awesome. That is priceless. Uh, that is fantastic. All right, also, uh, second down. There's a firm that claims uh, the Peacock, uh, their NFL-exclusive wildcard broadcast, generated 20 or 2.8 million new subscriptions. That Antenna is a research firm that vows to expand knowledge of subscriber behavior so brands can entertain, inspire, and empower the world. They're the one that has the estimate that Peacock added 2.8 million subscribers. And uh, according to the uh, entertainment publication Variety, where this article, part of it comes from, uh, they note that the the numbers came about based on millions of permission-based consumer opt-in raw transaction records that are sourced from a variety of data collection partners. Okay, so we'll, we'll say they got 2.8 million subscribers. All right. Here's the question. How long are those people going to stick around to pay, what, $5.99 or whatever? They've already Peacock? they've already dropped. <laughs> does it say if these were all 2.85 million paid transactions or was these just the free trial? I uh, believe you had to pay. I think you had to pay to get the game. Oh. You had to get a paid subscription. There was no free. I think you had to pay to get it. Yeah, don't, no. don't hold me to that, but I believe that is how that worked. And so, yeah, you had, according to them, 2.8 million signups. The single biggest subscriber acquisition event measured by Antenna. Okay. I, well, is, I, is this the future? Certainly, it certainly seems like it's going to be the future for the NFL. Going to turn into the WWE here in a matter of no time. Which is heading to Netflix in the near future. At least part of one of their properties. Yeah, that's, that's the other thing, too. Is I was reading something that said Netflix is right now operating at like a $14 billion debt. And they just spent like $5 billion trying to get the WWE to come to Netflix. It's like... Yeah, Ra's yeah, going to move there in a $5 billion deal. Yeah, that sounds like a wise financial decision. Yeah, 2025. Yeah, love that. All right, third down. Uh, I have not been following this story until I saw it pop up on The Athletic. This Iowa, Iowa State gambling, some of the students. We've talked about it before. It's been a while, though, since we discussed it. So it's recently come out that 
some of the methodologies that were used to gather the information to to file charges against some of these players might have included things like geofence and like AI, some of it without warrants and the Iowa and Iowa State programs, specifically their coaches are coming out and saying, this is wrong. Personal liberties were violated. It's a mess. Uh, go read, if you have The Athletic, go read the full write up on it because it is quite fascinating. Uh, this this whole conversation because it seems like it's at the at best it's just a mess <laughs> uh fourth down right now the nuggets 31 and 14 the avalanche 31 and 14 the nuggets have nicole Jokic. the avalanche have nathan mckinnon when it is all said and done at the end of this season who has the better year mckinnon or, jo or Jokic? who that's it's a good one. Tough, I like isn't that. It? I like that. <sighs> Both of them having best player of the league type seasons. They still, this is the Avalanche. They still miss a, a Nazem Kadri, Gabriel Landeskog kind of player. Can they, you know, can they get Landy back to the playoffs? Maybe. It's a possibility. But I don't know how good he's going to be. The trade deadline, do they go out and make a move for somebody that's a Nazem Kadri type player? I believe uh, Mark Kisla thinks they need to go trade for Nazem Kadri. I feel like for the Avalanche, there are more questions about them than the Nuggets right now. That's just a feeling that I have. But from an individual standpoint, just the just the player, not even the team they play on. Just the play. Who's going to have the better season? McKinnon or Jokic? Who has the better season when at the at the end of the year? Who? Sorry, I interpreted that as a how they do. Uh, my apologies. I mean, it's a fair it's a fair analysis. Um, man, Jokic is brilliant again. McKinnon's playing on. I'm going to. I will say McKinnon, but just by. By the by, by the hair by the of his chinny chin by chin. the tip of your nose, I'm going to say McKinnon as well, and here's why: it's and it's not the fault of quote unquote Nikola Jokic or anybody, because what's more than likely going to happen is you're going to see all these NBA talking heads go about how great's Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid scored seventy. They're going to point to that game and that game only, and cling to it for dear life and say, look, he beat Wilt Chamberlain's record of most points in a game for the 76ers. That's your MVP. They're going to hold on to that narrative for as long as they can. And meanwhile, Nikola Jokic is only going to continue to rack up wins, double doubles, triple doubles. You know, he's going to continue to right. do what he does. But the talking heads of the world are going to look at Joel Embiid as this shiny, you know, look at this. You know, they're going to be like, look at this, like, beautiful Tesla and then not realize that the much more reliable and, frankly, safer <laughs> vehicle in Nikola Jokic is still right there and still at peak performance. Whereas McKinnon... If you don't give him the heart trophy this year, what are you doing? 
So I think McKinnon ends up winning the Hart Trophy. And I think Jokic ultimately comes in second in the MVP race behind Embiid simply because Embiid had one game where he scored 70, and that's going to be all they talk about. I don't disagree with a single thing you're saying, which I know is shocking. I know, right? Uh, yeah, I, I think that Joel Embiid, because of the 70-point game, is going to get an awful lot of run on that. It's not going to matter how the 76ers do in the playoffs. Probably get bounced. It, I mean, it'll it'll be... It'll be what he what he did this season, what he did in that game that they'll try to hang their hat on. And you look right now, just at, at some stats. Austin Matthews leads the NHL in goals right now. Nathan McKinnon's fourth, but McKinnon leads the league in points. Or uh, yes, he leads the league in points right now, and also leads the league in assists. And he's fourth in goals right now. Yeah, if you don't give so, that guy the hard trophy this year. You know, and, and you look at, at Nikola. I mean, Embiid's your top scorer right now. Nikola Jokic right now in terms of scoring. Uh, Joker's 13th. They're, they're, going to, they're going to look at those numbers. Jokic is fourth in rebounding, fourth in assists per game. So you, you look at this where... The only thing, Embiid is 36.1 points per game. It's great. Not, not going to knock that at all. Yeah. But Jokic is top five in two other categories. I would personally, personally feel like Nikola Jokic, while the, the scoring may not be, and he, you know, may not be top 10, impacts the game more than Joel Embiid does. By being top five in rebounding and assists. But I agree with you. I think it's it's going to be a case where they look at the 70-point game and go, yep, that's your MVP right there. Would not shock me at all. All right. That was a great question. I, Thank I, you. After I misinterpreted exactly the direction you, we were going. You really didn't, though, because, you know, because the best player on these teams right now is also playing on the best teams right now. In their respective leagues. I Let mean, us hope they both have equally insane finishes, fantastic finishes to their seasons. Exactly. Imagine the Avs and the Nuggets in the in the final cup final and the NBA finals. Downtown Denver is going to be a mess. It would be, <laughs> it'd be beautiful chaos. Can't find a parking spot anywhere. Beautiful chaos if that happens. All right, uh, it's time for this day in sports history. That's the story of the greatest sport moment of all of history. It's time to take a trip back in time. It's this day in sports history. All right, go back to 1894. Gentleman Jim Corbett knocks out Charlie Mitchell in the third round to retain the world heavyweight title. 1924, it's the first Winter Olympics. Do you know where they were held? Which country? What, What year was this? 1924. First, first Winter Olympics, uh, I'm going to just throw a guess, Finland. France. Oh, Francais. Francais, yeah. Oui, oui. Uh, let's see. Uh, 1960, Wilt Chamberlain of the Philadelphia Warriors sets a record for rookies with 58 points and a 127-117 to 117 triumph over the Pistons. Chamberlain also grabs 42 rebounds Jeez. in that game. 1981, Jim Pluckett's 
first two quarter, two first quarter touchdown passes, including a Super Bowl record 80 yard strike to running back Kenny King, leads the Raiders to a 27 to 10 win over the Eagles. They were also the first wild card team to win the Super Bowl. Uh, 1987 Giants won the Super Bowl with a 39 to 20 route of the Broncos. But, yeah. But does does your this day in sports history list have 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 the uh, what could be the greatest day in Broncos history? Yeah, this. Yeah, I do. Okay, just let me. We got to give the. Sorry, I I didn't know. I didn't know the bad and the good here. The bad and the good. Uh, Giants, they trailed 10 to 9 at halftime, scored 30 points in the second half Ouch. to set a Super Bowl record. Ouch. Stupid Phil St- Sims, 10 straight completions, 22 of 25. Ouch. Ugh. 1998. There we go. John Elway and the Broncos won a Super Bowl for themselves in the AFC by beating the Green Bay Packers 31 to 24. Terrell Davis, still proud of my cousin Terrell, selected the uh, MVP, rushes for 157 yards. And scores in uh, three one-yard touchdown runs, including the winner with a minute 45 to go. This one's for John. Yes. Oh, still get, get goosebumps just thinking about Love it. winning Super Bowl 32. All right, 944. That's a stay in sports history. We'll take a break, and we'll wrap it up some garbage time. That's next on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. We're going to be here a while. Would you like to talk? Talk to me. The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Welcome back, 947. Jim along with Kate today. Okay, so Steve went and did this with the Peacock thing. Said he didn't have to pay for Peacock. So you get the free one-month trial on Instacart, which came with Peacock. Thanks for reminding me to cancel it today. So apparently, because I didn't, I wasn't going to pay or even worry about trying to get a free Peacock thing to watch it, listen to it. Right. And um, so according to Steve, you didn't have to pay for it. But they had had 2.8 million people, which I'm sure there were some of them, though, that probably ended up, I'll I'll just go ahead and pay for it because I might really like having Peacock and, and then realize, oh, it's five ninety nine a month, and this is what I get. Okay, um, I will say this though: apparently, that new uh, Seth MacFarlane TED show is actually quite popular. It's like a prequel, right? It's it is yes. Okay, well, thank you, Steve, for clarifying that because. And you're welcome, I, Steve, for us reminding you to make sure yeah. you cancel that. Because I guess I just made the assumption that if I'm Peacock, I, I want you to pay for this. We're paying good money to carry an NFL game. I want you to pay. To get it, so apparently he, Steve got the free trial, and now he'll cancel it today. As is what tends to happen these All days. All right, nine forty nine, and uh, time to open up the lid and hop in. Oh, before I do that, I have to um, wish my daughter a happy birthday today. It's, uh, hey, it's happy Rachel's birthday. birthday today. Happy birthday to my little sweetie. All right, to nine forty nine. And it's time for garbage time. We're taking out the trash. It's garbage time on the Jim Davis Show on the team. Oh, I love trash. All right. So let's see. You got something you want to lead off with. I, I do. Okay, um, go ahead. Normally on the uh, social media platform, formerly known as Twitter, now X, which is still a dumb name. 
Um, I get followers that are like, you know, cryptocurrency scam bots or like random, like, you know, help the children in Africa or whatever. And I usually just block them. Whatever. Occasionally, though, you get the follower that you go, oh, this is interesting. Uh, so welcome to my social media sphere and welcome to the Colorado Mesa Mavericks football program, Bronco Hartson. He was the quarterback for the 2022 3A state champion Roosevelt Rough Riders. Made an official visit the other day to campus, and he has committed himself to become a Colorado Mesa Maverick. And I just love the name Bronco Hartson. For a quarterback? I mean, come on. It's like right out of central casting right there. Bronco Hartson. played some great teams at Roosevelt. He did. Yeah. And he... Uh, as was a wrestler as well and earned over 100 wins as a wrestler at, at Roosevelt. Well, w welcome to welcome Ma to the family. Welcome Bronco. To, welcome to Maverick country, Bronco. Yeah. So, uh, probably I would assume red shirt, but, uh, I'm part of that, that quarterback mix mm -hmm. that, uh, miles coach Aver has. All right. This this in Dallas, it's always drama. I mean, not just the TV show that was on back in the. Is this another who shot Jr. thing yeah. or? No, this is just um, uh, cowboy on cowboy crime here. Uh oh, because you have you had uh, let's see what well, the the tweets that have been out are on X. Uh, CD Lamb's mom, who is on social media, saying that the problem the Cowboys have is Dak Prescott. Oh God that he should be shipped out of town or her, her son should be allowed to escape. That she would like her son to be traded to the hometown Houston Texans so he can play with C.J. Stroud. Also, you have Micah Parsons' brother, Terrence, who thinks the Cowboys need to get rid of Dak and the coaching staff. So we have C.D. Lamb's mom and... Who? Micah Parsons' brother. Micah, okay. I was gonna say because this is these are not the actual players that are saying no, these this. Are their, this is their mom and brother. This is their families. Terrence Parsons says the organization has committed crimes against Micah. Oh my god! <laughs> I mean, really? Yeah. And then like, uh, Cindy Lamb's mom wants him traded to, to Houston. Have we learned nothing from? Brittany Mahomes and um, Stafford's wife. What's her name? Kurt Warner's wife back in the day going on, on sports radio in, in St. Louis, calling people out. Have we learned nothing? If you're going to be a family member of an NFL superstar, stay in your lane. In the sense that don't, you know, don't say anything that would get your partner in trouble in the locker room. Here, here's my thing. How does this make it better for these guys? It doesn't. How, how like C.D. Lamb's mom? How does that make it better for him? How does that make his relationship better with Dak Prescott, with the organization? He may not feel that way at all. I'm not so sure about that because it's got to come from somewhere. I don't know if it's just mom thinking this. Maybe it is mom just thinking this. 
But I would certainly say, hey, I might, I'm telling you things here that make it, I, maybe I'd like to be out. I'd like to get out of Dallas. I, I would ra- I'd rather go play in Houston. Love to play that C.J. Stroud guy. Think we can win a championship there. But how about not, not publicly comment on that to make, because I'm not going anywhere at the moment. Because it's only going to make your family who's in the league their job harder because now they have to go up to that teammate and go talk up, walk up to Dak Prescott and be like, hey, man, I'm really sorry about what my mom said. I'm really sorry about my brother yapping his mouth. I don't know. I don't know. He's, I don't know well, what he's talking about. Let, it, let us not forget what what Miko Rantanen got called out oh. by Arturi Lekkonen's dad yeah. on Finnish TV. Say he didn't work hard enough in the offseason. Awkward. Now, in defense of Arturi Lekkonen's dad, he is paid to do that. He is an analyst on Finnish TV. That is what he's paid. He's paid to comment on hockey. This is just CeeDee Lamb's mom, his mommy, and and Micah Parsons' brother spouting off on social media about what they think is wrong with the Cowboys and what they think their respective family members should do. Come on. These guys might really feel that way. Micah Parsons and CeeDee Lamb might very well feel the way that their their family member does. But you don't hear them going on X or making any comments about this publicly. No. I just I mean just shut the hell up. I just say I don't I don't need you Be to supportive, fight. but don't fight my fights for me. I can take care of that myself. Thank you very much. That's our show for today.